Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I am excited about God's Word. This Word never gets stale. I mean to tell you, I could eat this Word every day and never, never, never get enough of it. Amen? It's just so good. It is so good. Proverbs, the third chapter. What a generation we live in. To have the Word of God at our disposal, be able to understand it, to know it, when revelation knowledge is being poured forth like never before. People have come in contact with the Word of the living God. Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks unto you for your Word. We thank you that we can trust our lives to its provisions. And you have supplied our every need through your Word. You sent Jesus, the Word made flesh, so that we could walk in the light of his life. And that's what this word represents to us, Father God. We worship you in this spirit and truth. And as we do, we know, dear Father God, that your word will become alive in our spirits by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us to be our teacher and travel guide through this life so that we can benefit, Father God, not only in the life that is, but also in that which is to come. And we thank you that we are doers of your word, blessed in our deeds. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You can get to a place that you can ask what you will. It shall be done unto you. I believe he meant what he said. That's the only difference between people of faith and maybe some that don't believe as, as much as you do. Jesus said that, and I believe it. I believe that he said that if we abide in him and his words abide in us, when we ask what we will, it shall be done unto us. Why would he say that? Jesus doesn't say something and then, you know, back off and say, I was only fooling. He's not like that. Amen? Jesus doesn't do that. I mean, maybe man does that, but Jesus doesn't do that. Over there, Mark 11, 23 and 24, beautiful scriptures. If you doubt not in your heart, but believe that the things that you say will come to pass, they'll happen, they'll come. Whatever you say, they'll come to pass. And he says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have those things. He doesn't say that and then back off and say, I was only kidding. You know, that's not our Heavenly Father, amen? He's not like that. Maybe man will back off his word, but God won't. God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it, he'll make it good. He'll not alter one word that's gone forth out of his lips, Amen. Well, let's get started here somewhere. Third chapter of the book of Proverbs. We started this thing way back, I don't even remember when. I think 11 lessons ago or something like that. And, and uh, I'm just finding out that I've got to stop just so we can get something else in here. Because I never got to what I wanted to get to. I wanted to get, it's called entering into healing and health, but we never touched it yet. But we're getting, we're getting there. We're working our way towards it. So we're here uh, in verses 3 and 4. And if you were not with us before, I will reiterate very quickly. In the first ten verses of Proverbs, the third chapter, we have five conditional promises. They are promises, but they are conditional. In other words, you do this and I'll do that. And you do this and I'll do that. If you do this, this will happen. And you can see in verses 1 and 2, we have, My son, forget not my law, let your heart keep my commandments. If you do that, number two is what you'll read. Length of days, long life and peace. What a blessing, Amen. Length of days, long life, and peace. Okay, so as you read through these first ten verses, you have five promises and five conditions, uh, you know, upon which he based the promise. Okay, look at verses three and four. That's where we're at today. This evening we want to talk about um, uh, favor with God and man. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding... In the sight of God and man. Now, before I go any further, again, I want to reemphasize to you that the book of wisdom is considered to be, or the book of Proverbs is considered to be wisdom personified. It's God's wisdom. It's the wisdom that he gave Solomon and he wrote to us. And, and we thank God Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. But we've got to study this book of Proverbs so that we can understand the wisdom of God. And in Colossians 1.9, we are told that we are to have wisdom. He said, Paul prayed for the church at Colossae, and he said to them, I pray for you, and cease not to pray for you, for, so that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In the Amplified Bible, that word wisdom is translated comprehensive insight into the ways and the purposes of our Father God. Amen. So we need to have this comprehensive insight into his ways and purposes. And here we have some of those ways. You see, here he says right here, if you'll let not mercy and truth forsake you, if you'll bind them about your neck and write them upon the table of your heart, then you will find good 
a favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, the word favor means to be pleasing or delight. Actually, delight or pleased. Delight or pleased. That's what the word actually means. And what it's really saying here is that you will be pleasing in the sight of God or you will be a delight to Him. How many of you want to be pleasing to your Heavenly Father? Don't you want to be a delight when He looks and says, That's my delight right there. Look at that fellow right over there, Mike Selly. Well, that's my delight. See? Right over there. He's my delight. I'm pleased with Mike. See? And you think about Dave over here. Just, he says, the Father just name every one of us here and said, I'm pleased with that person. I'm pleased with this one. They have favor in my sight. I don't want to have favor with anybody but Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords. I thank God for the favor we have with men, but I mean, to desire favor with God is, is the greatest treasure one can ever hope for and have. He's telling you here how to get it. And I'm going to share with you this evening how to keep it, how to walk in it. Now, also again, it means delight and pleased or be pleasing to God. Now, let's put the two together. Remember over there in Colossians, that's what it said in one nine. Comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. But verse 10 said, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all what? Pleasing. So through His wisdom, we can walk pleasing to our Father. So when I have His wisdom, I can be pleasing in His sight because I walk worthy of Him unto all pleasing. See, Jesus came and pleased the Heavenly Father. He said, I always do those things that are pleasing in the sight of the Father God. And that's why He always hears my prayers and answers my petitions. Isn't that what Jesus was declaring to us? I came to do His will, not my own will. Comprehensive insight into the will of God. You see, the knowledge of His will. Okay. So you have to have the insight in order to walk in His will. Amen? All right. Now, here we see then we can walk worthy of the Lord and we can be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And I've decided to, first of all, let's take a quick walk through some scriptures. Hold your place in there in Proverbs because we're going to use the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. One scripture I want to point out in the book of Psalms, chapter 5, verse 12, because you are the righteous people of the Lord. I see every one of you as winners. I see every one of you as victorious people. I see you waxing strong in spirit. I see you growing up into the fullness of Him. I see you complete in Christ. I only see the best about every single one of you. That's all I see. I have programmed myself to see you in the Spirit, to see you in truth, not to see you in the flesh. I have programmed myself to only see the best about every one of you. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches us to do, to walk in the Spirit. Amen? And know no man after the flesh. No, no man after the flesh, only after the Spirit. And we're to know each other after the Spirit. That's how I see every one of you. Okay? Um, look at verse 12, chapter 5, Psalm. Psalm 5, verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor will you compass him as with a shield. That's a big shield. Zina is the word there, the Hebrew word. And it means a large shield. Actually, it means a crown. A crown. He'll be crowned with favor. The righteous, then, is crowned with God's favor. He is delighted with the righteous. He is pleased with the righteous. And we are the righteous, and he has crowned us with his favor. Can you say that with me? I am crowned. With the favor of the Lord. See? That's what the Father's saying about us. Okay, now go back to the book of Proverbs and, and uh, look at chapter 8. I'm just going to take a little stroll through the book of Proverbs and see some scriptures concerning favor. Chapter 8, verse 35. Again, we're talking about wisdom. For whoso findeth me, that is wisdom... Findeth life. We talked about that in our previous uh, lessons. Remember, we talked about long life. Whoso findeth me, findeth life. Now, notice this, how these are all intertwined. Look at this. And shall obtain favor of the Lord. And shall obtain favor of the Lord. So, if you find wisdom, you will find life. And when you find that, you will obtain favor. When you begin to walk in God's wisdom, then, you will walk worthy and all-pleasing. You'll, you'll be, you know, walking in His favor. Okay, let's go on. The 11th chapter and verse 27. Just look at some scriptures concerning favor. He that diligently seeketh good. Now we know that we've got, to, we've got to find and seek out wisdom to obtain favor. When I seek out God's wisdom, then, of course, I will find favor. Because I operate in His ways, in His purposes. Now, here... He that diligently seeketh good. Now, notice this. Procureth. Now, that word means obtaineth. Favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. So, be a seeker of good. Don't be a seeker of mischief. Be a seeker of good. 
Seek wisdom. Seek good. We overcome evil with what? With good. That word mischief right there actually means evil. Evil. Evil will happen unto him. But when you're seeking only good, the Bible says to believe the best and only the good about people, then when you do that, you'll obtain favor of the Lord. So I seek wisdom and I continually seek good. And while I do that, I am finding favor in the sight of my heavenly Father. Okay, let's go on. The 12th chapter, verse 2. Just look at some scriptures. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. Alright, so a good man, and we overcome again evil with what? Good. A good man. A man that's always seeking to do good. I'm always seeking to do good. Anything I can do for you, I, I like to do it. I'll do it for anybody. I you know, want to seek and pursue good. So when we have the attitude of heart, the intent of our heart is to seek to do good, then we will obtain favor in the sight of our Father God. All right? Look at the 13th chapter, verse 15. Good understanding. Good understanding giveth what? We have to have understanding. We've got to understand the ways of God. Don't you remember over there in Mark 4 when he was teaching? Mark 4, Matthew 13, Luke 8, when he was teaching about the parable of the sower. He said, you must receive this. You must understand it and keep it in your heart. We've got to understand. Have understanding in the ways of God. That's where wisdom comes in and that's where knowledge comes in. But the person that has understanding. Good understanding. Good understanding. Again, there's that word good. Good understanding will bring to us favor. He giveth favor. But the way of the transgressors, transgressors is hard. And you know, even though we're born again... Even though we're spirit-filled, even though we endeavor to walk in the love of God, I thank Him that His, the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing us from even the unknown sins. And that's why we are to continually seek out good. Because when our hearts are, are directed towards seeking good, the Spirit of God will unveil and show us some things that need to be changed in our lives. If we ever got to a point that we think that we don't do anything ever, anything at all wrong, you know, and uh, I'm just perfect walking in, in, in perfection, and we are perfect in Christ, but I'm talking about the manifestation of this life. You know, uh, you can never improve. Paul said, after all the years of faithfulness, he can walk off and say that I have fulfilled my course. I've finished my race. I'm going off into glory. I'm going to receive a crown of righteousness. But, he, before he left, he said, but yet, he says, I don't count myself to obtain. He says, I'm still pressing on. So, in other words, you keep that attitude. You keep that initiative in your heart that I'm going to press on. I'm going to do more good. More good. More, more, the more I can do, you know, the better it is. And so the more favor you're going to have with the Lord, you're going to obtain with the Lord. Okay, now in chapter 14, 14 chapter, uh, verse 9. Fools make a mock at sin. Fools make a mock at sin. You know, they think their ungodliness is, is funny. But sin is not a joke. Sin is not a joke in the sight of God. You know Why? Because of the awesome price He paid for, for man's sin. Jesus' blood was shed because of sin. Sin is not funny. And I don't care how it may appear to anybody. It's not funny in the sight of God. You know, and sometimes it's easy, you know, to see people in, in, in wrongdoing. They just laugh about the wrongdoing that they do. And they think it's a joke. But it's not in the sight of God. He abhors that which is evil. He abhors sin. And you and I both, love abhors that which is evil. It cleaves to that which is good. But look at the latter part of this. Uh, but among the righteous there is favor. I'm going to tell you something. Them fellas had favor in that office. They had favor with the Lord. You can laugh all you want. And outsiders can laugh all they want. But when someone's life is in danger, they know exactly where to turn to. Those that have favor with the Lord. Those that have favor with the Almighty God. Amen. They'll, they'll be seeking you out and pursuing you. And finding out... You know, will you pray for me? Because you have favor with the Lord God. Amen? So you continue to seek good, pursue it, and bless God, you'll obtain favor with the Lord. Now look at this next one, chapter 16, verse 15. I love it. I wasn't going to use it, but uh, it's too good to pass up. It's too good. God's Word is so good. Don't you just love His Word? In the light of the King's countenance is life. And I thought about that for a minute and I said, Jesus is my King. He's the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And look at all of what's saying here. In the light of the king's countenance. He is the light of the world. His countenance was that of life. Life just emanated from him. It just poured out from him. Amen? Okay, now look at the latter part of this. And his favor is as a cloud of the latter rain. And man, I could just see the glory cloud. 
you know, just coming. His favor. When you have favor with God, it's just a cloud of the latter rain. We talk about the early and the latter rain. We're walking in the days of the latter rain. Well, when you got favor with the Lord, you, are, you have a cloud of glory just around you. Think about that. Amen? Okay, the 18th chapter. You're going to love this, ladies. This is just a, a golden nugget for the ladies. I'm, I won't charge you a cent for this. It's free. It's free from God's Word. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And I thank God that I have found a wife, a virtuous woman, and I have obtained favor of the Lord because of her, and because of her life. Amen? Praise God. Okay, and one more scripture in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, and verse 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. I'd rather have the favor of God than all the silver and gold on, in this earth. Wouldn't you? I mean, bless God, when you've got God's favor, what more can you ask for? Now, you, now you think about courting somebody's favor. And you think about the Lord. There are those that want to court somebody's favor that's in high eminent places. There are people that want to court somebody's uh, favor, let's say, who's in... Uh, Maybe in uh, certain fields like in movies or in sports world or whatever. But they seek to court somebody's favor. But I'll tell you something. I've sought to court the favor of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have sought to court the favor of the omnipotent Heavenly Father. That's whose favor I want. How about you? Well, I'm going to share some things with you because he's he's, he's placed these things in my heart. I should have shared this with you a long time ago. But praise God, we're going to get it out now. Let's um, go back to our scripture. Let's go back to chapter 3 and let's look at our scripture again. Because I know that you want to pursue His favor and I know I want to pursue His favor. Every single one of us, the intention of our heart is to walk in favor with God and with man. Amen? Isn't that your goal? Isn't that the intent of your heart? Amen. You know, there are many times from the outward appearance we stumble and fall over some of these things. But bless God, the intent of the heart is always right. As long as your heart is right and bless God, you, you are right in the sight of the Heavenly Father God. Now, let's look at, um, again, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Let not mercy and truth. Now, the two key words here are mercy and truth. Don't let them forsake you. But what's he talking about? Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. Keep them before you. Sometimes they used to wear scriptures in funny different ways. Sometimes they wore them right on top of their head. And they had scriptures in a little box right here, pasted to the top, you know, tied to the top of their head, right over here on their forehead. And they took out them scriptures, man. And they said, that, remember over there in Deuteronomy where it says, let it be as frontlets before your eyes? And that's what they're talking about. They put the scriptures right in there. Sometimes we put it in here. But the psalmist said, it's better to hide it in your heart, you know, than anywhere else. But over here, that's what he's saying to us. Let mercy in, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck. If you, had to, if you had to wear it or bound your neck and, and put it in a little box and say, don't forget. You know, sometimes we got these watches that beep, you know. And uh, sometimes they remind us, and some, some people will set them just to remind you that, look, you should be quoting the Word, or you should be walking in love. Here's what he's saying here. Let something be a reminder to you. Let, it, let your thinking, you know, be on the fact that we're not to ever forsake mercy and truth. Let it be before you. If you have to have something tied around your neck, some people tie a string around their fingers so they won't forget something. So that's what he's saying to us. Have yourself a reminder. Let this be a reminder to you that you are always going to walk in mercy and in truth. Now, remember over there what... Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, He said that the, those that are merciful shall obtain mercy. Amen. Isn't that what He said? Now, when you show mercy, when you're being merciful towards others, then mercy will be given back to you. Remember over there in Ephesians, the fourth chapter? And I believe it is, uh, no, I'm sorry, the second chapter in verse 4, where it says, God who is rich in mercy... Rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Even while we were dead in trespasses and sins, He quickened us together with Christ. You talk about a walk of, of faith and love and mercy. He looked down upon this whole human race. He saw you and me. I mean, you know, maybe not personally, but He saw the whole human race in darkness, separated from Himself. I mean, the ugliest things you ever wanted to see. You talk about people in the days of Noah. They were so horrible in the sight of God. He abhors that which is evil. He can't stand to look upon sin. And I mean, they were just you know, living in the lowest form, if you want to talk, even form of life, what they were doing. Their, our hearts were full of evil at all times. But God looked down upon that evil people and still, after generation after generation, He still had mercy on them. He still showed mercy by sending Jesus to die for their sins. Amen. And I'm glad He did. Aren't you glad He did? He showed mercy to me. Amen. Okay. Now, what He's saying is, I want you to show mercy to other people. I want you to show mercy to them, and then you'll obtain mercy. 
Okay, and also I want you to walk in truth. Now, notice the word truth here. Everywhere you find that word truth, you, you could be, you know, you could rest assured that he's talking about the word. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. When he's talking about truth, you have to realize that there are two types of truth. There is sense knowledge truth and there is revelation truth. There is sense knowledge truth and there is revelation truth. This is one of the hardest things for the body of Christ to see today is there are two types of truth. There's two types of knowledge. There is sense knowledge and there is uh, revelation knowledge. Okay? The Bible is a revelation. The Bible uh, demands, the Word of God demands that we walk by faith. But sense knowledge proof or evidence demands that we walk by what? Sight. Okay? And here what he's talking about is we are to show mercy and we are to walk in the Word, walk in truth. Put it in your heart right now that you are to walk in mercy and walk in truth. Walk by faith. Don't walk by sight. When you learn to do that, he said, you will have favor and good understanding in the sight of men. You'll be pleasing to your Father. And I'm going to show you that he's talking about walking by faith and love. Actually, in essence, what he's outlining to us is when you learn to walk by faith and when you learn to walk by, you know, in love, then you are walking in the favor of God. Now, I'll show it to you. Go over there in uh, the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter in verse 6. If you're walking pleasing to the Lord, if you're walking pleasing to the Lord, without faith it's impossible to do what? All right. 11th chapter, verse 6. It's the great faith chapter. You know that. He's talking about walking in, by faith and walking in love. That's mercy and truth. That's exactly what he's talking about. God who is rich in mercy for his great love. See, he's great love. Okay. Now, over here in verse 6. But without faith it is impossible, impossible, impossible. Let's say it together. I cannot please God without faith. I can't please my Heavenly Father if I don't walk by faith. Okay, now see, walking by faith means you are walking by the Word, by the evidence of the Word. has nothing to do with outward appearances, has nothing to do with sense, knowledge, evidence, has nothing to do with your sight. While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, the things that are seen, those things are temporal, they are subject to change, but the things that are not seen, they are eternal, they are forever. Amen? The whole walk of faith is walking by revelation knowledge, by walking by the Word. Okay, now let's finish reading the Scripture. It's impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is... And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You've got to seek him by faith. That's the only way we could know or understand God is by what the Word reveals to us. Okay? And Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. And so what Jesus has spoken to us concerning the Father, and what the Spirit of God has revealed to us through the epistles, that's what we learn and understand about our Heavenly Father. Alright? Now we want to have favor with him. Here's some things that Jesus said. And I'm going to share these with you so you can understand about mercy and faith. Jesus said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will come unto him and manifest myself unto him. He'll make himself known unto us. Okay? As we choose to walk then in this love, then he said he's going to come and he's going to reveal the Father to us. Over there in the 14th chapter and verse 23, he said, he, he that loveth me, he keeps my word. He that keeps my word, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So as we uh, practice walking in love, and as we practice walking by faith, and we know that we are going to be seeking him as he wants us to seek him, and we are going to find and court his favor. Now remember that. Walking by faith, walking in love, pleases our Heavenly Father. Favor means you are pleasing to your Father. To your Father God. Okay, now. If the word demands that I walk by faith and not by my senses then I've got to realize that our Heavenly Father is not a God of the sense realm. He is a God of the spirit realm. He's the Father of spirits. I must be constantly aware of the fact that He is not looking at me in the flesh. He's looking at me after who I am in the spirit. That's why I can't walk by who I am in the flesh. If you were to walk by who you are in the flesh, you'd walk in sin consciousness most of your life. If I were to walk by who I am in the flesh, I'd probably walk in condemnation uh, most of my life. Because the Bible says we are to not walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the what? Flesh, but after the Spirit. I'm to see myself in the Spirit. I am to see you in the Spirit. That's why I program myself. I don't see anybody out there in the flesh. I don't see anybody out there in the flesh. That pleases the Father. Okay? I'm cooperating with Him. That's His way and that's His purpose. I'm cooperating with His will because He doesn't see you after the flesh, and I don't see you after the flesh. I see you only after the Spirit. That's pleasing to the Heavenly Father. See, I'll court His favor as long as I do that. I'm going to show you something about the person that will set His love upon Him. 
as Jesus said right over here. Look at the 91st Psalm, verse 14. Ninety-first Psalm, verse 14, when you set your love upon Him. You know, when you have decided to walk by faith and to walk in love, you have set your love upon the Heavenly Father. When you have set your love upon the Heavenly Father, you've decided to court His favor. He says, here's what I'm going to do for you because you've done that for me. He said over here in 91st Psalm, beginning with verse 14, because you set your love upon me. Because you set your love upon me. Therefore, therefore I'll do these things. Therefore will I deliver Him. I will set Him on high. You talk about having favor? I'll set Him on high because He knows my name. When he calls upon me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And honor him. Honor him. God will honor you. That's favor when he honors you. The Heavenly Father will honor you. The Heavenly Father honored the prayers of these brethren. And he honored the faith of the individual that said, I'm going to confess my faults, as the Word says, so that I might be healed. Little did he know that a few hours later, that he's going to have to really use that scripture for what it said. Amen? You think about that. See? The Spirit of God was probably all that, those months or in between, was probably witnessing inside his spirit. And it's his own consciousness and his own spirit was witnessing to him that, you know, you should get this out. You shouldn't do that. You know, get involved in this thing. And because of it, bless God, he did it and he obeyed the truth. And, you know, someone, someone sitting out there might think, well, you know, the same thing would have happened. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that if he didn't confess his fault, uh, you know, to, to the brethren and ask God's forgiveness. Don't ever say that the same results might have happened. You know, on the contrary, if he didn't confess his fault, it may not have happened. He may have died right there on the spot. Oh, it pays to serve the, God, the Lord God. It pays to court his favor. It pays to walk in his love and, and program yourself to, to just to walk in, in his love and walk by faith. Okay? Here's what he said he's going to do for you. Honor you. With long life will he satisfy you and show you salvation. Notice how all these promises are all connected together. We couldn't, we, you know, you talk about this one, you've got to talk about long life and, and all that God will do for you. You talk about long life and you see that you're having favor with the Lord because He's going to grant you long life. And you talk about direction and guidance and the whole thing is designed to get you through the course of life without a shipwreck. So you can make it to the end of your course, the end of your journey, without having any shipwreck in your life. Amen? Okay, now I can go on and on, but this is not what the Spirit of God wants me to do. I'm led to go to the other side. The other side of this. We know how we're to please God. We know what we're supposed to do to please God. But I want to show you from the other side of the fence what... Does not please God. I've learned to do this, you know, to be objective. I can do it both ways. Number one, if I know what pleases Him, I do it. If I know what does not please Him, I do not do it. Amen? Okay, go to Proverbs, the sixth chapter. Sixth chapter, the book of Proverbs. Oftentimes I'll read this, and sometimes I'll just look at it and... Study it out and meditate on it. And I stop back and think. And I said, wow. This is the wisdom of God speaking to me concerning my Heavenly Father. Concerning what my Heavenly Father does not like. And so as I began to re read over it and study it. Actually, at, at the beginning, you're, you know, you just, your mouth is wide open. And you stop and think. If I were to evaluate this before knowing the Lord or a person that was in the world would it, were to evaluate this. They wouldn't put the seventh one where it's at. But let's start with uh, verse 16. Sixth chapter, verse 16. And I want to show you something. Now remember, if you want to court somebody's favor, you do what's pleasing to that person. But then on the other hand, what that person does not like, you don't do. That makes common sense, doesn't it? So what God likes, I do. And what God dislikes, I don't do. Amen? Okay, let's read this. These six things does the Lord hate. And just the word hate there, just your eyes get real big. And you look at that scripture and you say, Wow, if God hates these things, I don't even want to be near it. I don't even want to be involved in these things. Okay? Yea, seven are an abomination. Now think about that. He hates these six things. But the seventh one is an abomination. That word abomination means abhorrence, repugnant. It actually means incompatibility. And in the final analysis, the, probably the clearest word I can give you is idolatry. Idolatry. Okay? In other words, the six things he hates, but the seventh one is considered to him in his sight idolatry. How many of you remember back over there when, the, when Moses came down from the mountain? And Aaron had uh, made a, uh, a, a graven false image. And they began to worship the, the image. 
Can you imagine how the heart of the Father God was affected when he saw that all his people, after Moses spent those days up there to get the law, to, to, to get what, what God wanted them to do, and Moses comes down and he looks and he sees them worshiping and, and, and uh, sacrificing to this graven image. You can imagine how the Father felt. You can imagine how Moses felt. He, man, he didn't want any part of it. He threw the tablets down. He, he was just upset. You know, how could they do such a thing to God? How can they do such a thing to the Heavenly Father? I don't understand it. But look at this word again. The seventh one is an abomination unto him. It's an abomination. And it's a sad thing to say when you find out what the seventh one is, that throughout the body of Christ, there are people that are committing this sin and in the sight of their Heavenly Father. It's an abomination and they don't even know it. Well, thank God that he, the, the blood will cleanse them if they don't know it. But once they you know, have that conviction in their heart and they realize what they're doing, realize what it is, then... They're expected to walk in the light of it. Now, let's read these here and find out what they are. Okay, let's read number one. A proud look or haughty eyes. The first thing he's talking about is haughty eyes. He talks about the eyes. Now, notice how he goes on to name the parts of the body. Now, remember what the love walk says. It does not puff itself up, behave itself unseemly. It's not haughty or proud. Okay? God doesn't like that. He hates it. He hates a person that has any kind of pride. Now, think about that. He doesn't like it. So, man, I'm not going to be proud. I'm going to be humble. Humble myself before God. You know, I thought about that, uh, about humility. And I said, well, what is a person that he should think himself to be something in front of, in the sight of God? And I thought about, what is a human body? I see a lot of human bodies out there. And then you think about all the millions and billions of people that are on the face of this earth. And you say, what is that human body in the sight of God? And I evaluated it and I said, all it is is a shovel full of dust. That's all. I said, when someone's spirit leaves the body, it just lies there. That's it. They go back to ashes. That whole personality came from the spirit. And man did not give himself life. God did. Jesus died so you can have that spiritual life. All that body is is nothing. Someone that's trying to make a name for themselves or achieve great things in this realm, all that person is made of is dust. That's all we are is dust. Don't you remember there in Psalms where it talks about he considers our frame and knoweth that we're made but from the dust of the earth and He has pity upon us because that's all we are is but dust. But aren't you glad that, that you are a dust person that's been filled with the glory of God? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I've been formed. He made me with, out of dust, out of the earth. But He recreated me by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now that's worth something. See? And He considered us so much that He says, I'll even, I'll even you know, uh, quicken your body so that your bodies can be immortal also. But here's what he hates. He hates a proud look. I don't think more highly of myself than I ought to. And the Bible says none of us should. Amen? Think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Look at the next one. Okay? That's the eyes, the look. Now, lying tongue. Now, he talks about the tongue. He doesn't like anybody that speaks falsely with their tongue. Okay? We know all about the tongue, don't we? There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the Spirit. And we can go on and on. Whoso keepeth his mouth, keepeth his life. Whoso openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. Okay, let's go on and see. Uh, number three. Feet that be swift in running to mischief or to evil. I'm sorry. I skipped. Okay, verse 17. Hands that shed innocent blood. A lying tongue, and then number three, a hands, hands that shed innocent blood. Now, one would think, by our own standards, that somebody that committed cold-blooded murder, you know, innocently, the person that's innocent, and someone did that, the world system would think, this is horrible. This is the worst, this has to be the abomination he's talking about, to take somebody's life like that. Especially someone who didn't do any wrong. And you would think that in the sight of God, that would be the worst thing anybody can do, is to take someone else's life. I mean, think about that. To take somebody else's life. I mean, what more can you do to that person than that? You would think that God would think that would be abominable, you know. But here's what he, look what he says. He goes on and says, that's not the one. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. That's number four. He doesn't like a heart. Now, he talked about the eyes. He talked about the tongue. He talked about the hands. Now, he talks about the heart. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Now, the word deviseth means manufactures. A heart that manufactures wicked imaginations. Now, write these things down because they're going to be very important to you. A, a heart that manufactures or devises wicked imaginations. God doesn't like that. He hates that. Okay, now let's go on. 
And then he says, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Now we got feet involved. Heart, now feet. The Bible says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Not swift to run, swift to hear. Feet that are always running to evil. That word mischief again means evil. Then number six, a false witness that speaketh lies. Okay, now he's talking about the mouth again. A false witness that speaketh lies. There are, those are the six things that the Lord hates. He hates those things. I'm not going to get involved in any of them, are you? He hates them. Let's say it together. The Heavenly Father hates these six things. I will program my life so that I will not get involved in these six things. Okay, now look at the seventh. The seventh is an abomination. Now, you would think that this murdering somebody would be an abomination. But look at the seventh one. The seventh one, it staggers the mind. Here he says, And he that soweth discord among brethren. He that soweth discord among brethren. The word discord means disharmony. If, if I were to pick up that guitar right now and play you one of a, one of a chord on that guitar and put some bad notes inside there and strum it, you'd say, Where in the world does this guy think he don't know how to play a guitar? It would sound terrible, you know. And... Uh, you know, when I first was learning, if I'd have played some of them chords that I, that I play now, I'd probably, you know, thought I'd never ever be able to play a chord, you know, right. Because some of them are, you know, you stretch your fingers out and you got, every note must harmonize with the other note in order to have a good sounding chord. Well, that discord is disharmony, schism, anything. But notice what the word that's most important in this scripture is the word soweth. I want you to see clearly the word soweth. The word soweth. The sower soweth the what? Okay, so the word is seed. Sow it. Sowing discord among the brethren. This is what is considered to be an abomination in the sight of our Heavenly Father. I mean, if these other things He hates, He hates all those other things, and we don't want to get involved with those things, but this is the one that He considers to be an abomination. Anyone that will sow a seed of discord. A seed is a word. A word. One word can, can sown into a heart or to a mind and imagination can cause discord. Disharmony, disunion. And God, He not only hates it, but it's an abomination in His sight. Now, when we're talking about sowing discord, I believe that it's the responsibility of every person in the body of Christ, every believer. I don't care who you are or how much you've learned to study out how to walk in harmony and unity with the body of Christ. What God expects of me in the body of Christ. How to avoid doing, first of all, any of these six things, especially how to avoid getting involved in the seventh. Okay, the seventh one again. I'll say it again. It's an abomination unto the Lord, and it's called sowing discord. It is a seed. It is a word, a thought planted into, into anybody's mind concerning anybody else that could cause anything that's wrong or to bring some kind of wrong idea towards anybody else's life. That's what this is. That's what he's talking about. And I'm going to tell you something right now. When I first got saved... I didn't know why. I didn't understand. All I knew that I was being spirit-led. I know that now. I did not know back when. But I used to actually feel guilty, made to feel guilty, if I didn't have something against another person. If I wasn't holding something against somebody, I was almost made to feel like as though that I thought I was Mr. Righteous. I used to go to a Bible study. And in that Bible study, I mean, it was, you know, people were always... Doing things like, um, I shared it with you before, like getting into an, ashtray, an ashtray, putting it in the middle of the table, then, then cutting up pieces of paper. This would be our Bible study. Sounds like a real nice Bible study, doesn't it? And everybody would just pass out a sheet of paper and say, write down what you don't like, what you're holding in your heart against anybody. You know, and it, they'd pass it around. And I'm just, I'm new in the Lord. I'm just a young boy in the Lord, you know. And I figured, I don't know, I, I don't have anything against anybody. And I'm just a young one over there, and all these, I mean, these are like 15-year-old Christians. You know, and uh, everybody gets a paper, and they're busily writing down on this piece of paper. <laughs> and they came to me, and I said, I don't want one. And they said, what do you mean you don't want one? I said, I don't have anything in my heart against anybody. What do you mean? Now, come on, brother. Be honest. Fess up now. Who are you, Mr. Righteous? Or I, I, and I, I really, I started to check. I, you know, you mean I'm supposed? Maybe I'm supposed to. I didn't know. I thought maybe, I, maybe I'm supposed to. 
You know, what are you going to think when you... I mean, everybody else is doing it. I mean, when you're just a young Christian, you can be led into doing any, many different things. And these are 15-year-old Christians. I'm just a little boy. They're going to listen to me. I mean, they're older Christians. You know what I'm saying? I don't have anything in my heart against anybody. I don't hold anything against anybody in my heart. Well, finally they gave up. And I said, I'm sorry, but I just can't think of one thing that I'm holding in my heart against anybody. And I sat back and thought for a minute. I said, well, I'm a new creation. And I love everybody. And I, and nobody, I don't hold anything against anybody. Besides, I said, didn't Jesus say we're not supposed to do that? Well, they proceeded. And this here still amazes me to, to today. Why did they have to put them in an ashtray and light the paper and burn it? You know, we talk about denominational churches having rituals and traditions. Some Pentecostals get up in some ideas that I never even heard of. That was just, a, you know, was that supposed to be because you lit it up and burned it up and meant it was all gone now? I didn't know. Believe me, if they didn't do it from their heart, they could do that. If they did it every week, you know they wasn't doing it from their heart. But I see, I never got caught up into that thing. And I can honestly say that I was being led by the Spirit of God from, from, you know, just a little boy in the Lord, just a little baby Christian, I call myself. I was 24 years old, but just a baby Christian. And uh, I knew that it was, this was not what God wanted. And I never did. I avoided that. I never, and also never talked about an individual. I refused to do that. I mean, you know, as you're growing up, you get less and less and less and less. When you, when you start to grow up in the Lord, you start speaking the truth and love, and you don't talk about anybody. You know, you avoid that, talking about anybody. Okay, because as you see right here, this is, it's an abomination in the sight of God. Especially the so one's seat of discord. Now let me show you some scripture over here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 29. While I'm saying this. A seed is a word. A word. One word. If you were to speak a word, a word that would cause somebody to start thinking wrong about somebody else, you can be guilty of sowing discord. Sowing a seed. Okay, look at four, the fourth chapter. And remember something now. God considers this to be worse than murder. Worse than actually killing somebody in cold-blooded murder. Think about that. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And if I want to court his favor, I'm certainly going to stay away from this one. Amen? Amen. Okay, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but only that which is good to the edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Ghost. I have finally figured out why some are not listening to their travel guide. Because they are grieving the Holy Ghost that is within them. Now, when I say this, let's read it first of all. Whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender hearted. And just circle that chapter, verse 32, and write down mercy. That's the word mercy he was talking about. Okay? Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, that is mercy. That's walking in God's mercy. Walking in God's truth is walking in what God said we are in Christ concerning one another, concerning you and concerning me. Okay. Now, if every individual would study to show themselves to be approved unto God, and not approved to one another, but approved unto God, you would readily find out that this is something that God does not like, does not want, and if... Anything, anything, uh, I don't think if there's anything above this in any body, God displeases more than this, is any seed sown of discord in any given group. Now, I'm going to start by saying that I learned, first of all, about talking about ministries. Now, again, when I'm saying this to you, I'm saying this in my own, not only my own study, but my own experience. I've always had a check in my spirit when anybody else, would, when someone would bring up another person's ministry. I don't care what they teach. I don't care what they believe. I am not concerned what they do. I don't care how they act. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they talk about. I don't care what they sound like. I don't care. I'm not interested. And in the body of Christ, we don't have a right to sow any seeds of discord or disharmony with anybody else in the body of Christ. We are the brethren. See, when you start doing that, what you end up doing is walking by the senses and not walking by faith. Someone, someone used to ask me, well, what do you feel about Oral Roberts? And what do you think about what he's doing? 
You know, like, what's your opinion? Or Roberts? I believe he's a righteous of God. Because he's born again. I believe he's a child of the Most High. I believe he's won many souls to the Lord. Many more than I ever had. I also believe that he believes he's hearing from God and doing what God says for him to do. So I thank God for that. And as far as I'm concerned, he's spotless, blameless, holy, and without blemish before the presence of God's glory and love. That's what I think about. Well, don't you think... How about this Ernest Ainsley? Did you ever hear about that fella? You know? What do you think about him? Ernest Ainsley? Oh! Ernest Ainsley. He's the righteousness of God in Christ. He's been born again. He has the life and nature of God. He's my brother. He's doing what God told him to do. He believes he's doing what God told him to do. I love him. But, I'm, but I'm, there are no buts. There are no ands. There are no ifs. When it comes to anybody, especially those that are in the ministry. Yeah, but don't you think this one over here is not teaching the truth? Who are you talking about? Brother so-and-so. I believe he's born again. I believe he's righteous. I believe he's standing before God. He believes he's doing what God told him to do. I only see him spotless, blameless, holy, without blemish before the presence of the glory of our God. That's all. That's how I see him. That's the only way I see anybody. And I'll tell you right now, if you want to have favor with God, if you want to court God's favor, don't you see anybody else any less. Don't you see anybody in the body of Christ any less than that. And I'll give you scripture for it. Go to 2 Corinthians 5th chapter. The walk of faith is a walk in the Spirit. It is not a walk of the senses. It's not a walk of anything that's manifest in the senses. I'm not concerned about sense knowledge evidence. I'm not concerned about anything that takes place in the sense realm. I am talking about the Spirit realm right now. We're talking about faith. Let's look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. Alright? And begin with verse 9. Wherefore we labor, that whether we be present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Now again, he's talking about having favor with God. When you're accepted of God, you've got favor with God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Everybody will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things that he's done in his body, to be judged for. Okay? According to that, he hath done whether it be good or bad. If, if anybody that people want to mention has done good or bad, it's not for me to judge. It's not for you to judge. Is it? Who's it for to judge? We all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we can be judged with the things that took place in our body. That's the life of the flesh. In other words, what you did in this realm. Okay, now notice this. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on, on, on our behalf, that we may have someone to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. Notice this, glory in appearance, but not in heart. We have the intent of a heart, and we have the appearance. It may appear to be that somebody's not doing maybe what you have thought is up to standard, like in the ministry. Maybe you feel that he's not teaching or doing what you think he should be teaching or doing. But God looketh on the heart. And when God looks upon the heart and sees that he's doing to, to the fullness of his ability at this time, and of his belief, then he'll be judged according to the intent of his heart. Even though you may have thought, you know, you know a little bit more about this area or that area, it doesn't matter. God, you're not the judge of that person. God is the judge of that person. And God will have to judge that person for what he has done by the appearance, by the outward appearance. But God looks at the intent of the individual's heart. If what he was doing if, in his intent of the heart was right, then God will judge him for that because he did it out of a pure intent and pure motive of heart. But what if, he, if what he has done is maybe offensive, well then, from the outward appearance of it, he didn't mean to do that. See? He didn't mean to do that, so God then will judge accordingly. Now, let's go on and read this. Now, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. People thought because Paul lived this way, he thought he was beside himself. But, the, but Paul knew that these things were an abomination to the Lord. And so he said uh, to the people, he says, You think we're beside ourselves because we don't judge after the appearance. We judge only after the heart. And now look what he says. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is of God, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us, because I have decided to walk in God's love. Because I'm walking in love, that love will constrain me only to see the best about everybody. Because we thus judge that if one died, 
for all, then we're all dead. All of us are in Christ. That's what he's saying. And he that died for all, that they should, that they which live shall not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto them, unto him which died for them and rose again. Everybody that's born again is supposed to be living not for themselves, but for the Lord. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Say that with me. I don't know anybody after the flesh. I don't know anybody after the senses. Or the outward appearance of things. I know only everybody in the Spirit. Okay, now when, when we speak words that would cause any person, if I were to speak one word that would cause you to think a little bit lower of, about, of your brother or sister in the Lord, if I spoke that word, you know, with that intent, and spoke it so that you could, so, let's say to demean somebody, or just, just dropped a thought that would make you think that maybe someone did something wrong, I've sown a seed. A seed that could lead to discord and disharmony and disunion. And when that takes hold, beloved, it could be very destructive in a body. Now, let me sh- I'll show you something here, but let's finish reading this. Let, have, wherefore, henceforth, though we know man of the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. See, we've only taken that scripture out of context. In other words, I don't see any of you out there according to your faults, according to your failures, according to your shortcomings, according to anything by the outward appearance that you have done. If you've done anything, let's say, to me, that from the outward appearance may have looked like it was uh, wrong to me, I wouldn't look at it that way. I would refuse to receive that. I would only think the best. I would think that your intent of the heart was correct and right. I only see you then in the eyes of the Spirit. I see you as a new creation in Christ Jesus, God's workmanship, recreated by Him in truth and holiness of truth, in righteousness. I see you spotless and blameless before the presence of His glory. I see you that way before the Heavenly Father. The Father sees you that way. I see you that way. I'm in harmony with the Father. I have found His favor when I see you that way. I won't see anybody that way. I refuse to talk about anybody to see anybody that, you know, that way. Now, that's what he's referring to and saying here. Wherefore, then, I don't know anybody he's saying after the flesh or after the outward appearance. Look, by the time we get the life of Christ that's within us to be made manifest in our flesh, it takes time of growth. It takes a period of growth. In that period of growth, we are all going to have mistakes in our lives. Now, you know that is a fact. But what he's saying is to keep harmony in the body is that each and every individual purpose in his heart not to see any person at all after the flesh or according to the flesh, according to the senses, to the outward appearance. You say, well, what if something happens in that, you know, that it looks like someone has hurt me or harmed me or someone has done wrong? What do I do? I'm glad you asked me that question. Let's go over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. And while you're finding that, go find Matthew chapter 5. Get this in real quick. Boy, time just flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Hallelujah. See, I purpose in my heart to court the Lord's favor. Have you? When we practice this, beloved, you'll, you'll begin to walk with God in a measure like you've never seen before. Okay, look at Matthew 5 first, verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. If you think someone has ought against you, and let's say maybe from an outward appearance, it may seem as though someone has ought against you. Look what he says to do. Leave your gift before the altar. Don't even sacrifice your gift. That could, in us, in our lives, it's the gift of worship and praise. Don't even sacrifice. Now, that's not if you have ought against somebody. That's if somebody has ought against you. Okay? Leave your gift before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Go to Matthew 18. Moreover, verse 15. 18 verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. Now notice what it says. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Period. In other words, from the outward appearance, maybe your brother has done something. You know, I, I know in my own life, especially in being in, in, in the, you know, in the pastor, in being in this position. And not only that position, in other positions, in your Bible school, a lot of things. That you can do things in your daily walk that may seemingly, from an outward appearance, be offensive to somebody. 
But you didn't mean to do that. You didn't even know that it was done. You may have even had the idea that something happened. You know, the intent of your heart was absolutely right. You're still walking in love. But, because of the outward makeup of a man, maybe, you know, it was appearing to somebody else that they were offended. Okay, let's look at the Scripture. If your brother trespass against you, go and tell him his fault. You know, it's easier to take to see the fault in somebody else than it is for that person to see it. Now, if I, if I was guilty of this, here's what I'd do. I always do this. If I offended somebody because of something that I did that I didn't even know about, but I was brought to my attention that I did, I would do exactly what that scripture says to do. I would, uh, I, I would, let's turn it around. If it was brought to my attention, but let's say it's not brought to my attention. If that person that I offended without knowing it from the outward appearance never came to me, I could never correct myself. Now, if it was on the vice versa, if I was the one that was offended and they didn't know they offended me and I was really offended, then I would go tell them. I wouldn't tell anybody else. I would say, brother, come here. You know, you did something over here and it, it offended me. But you know what? When you walk in love, you don't get offended. I, I don't get offended. But you see, some can get offended by not what appearance of things. Okay, so what do you do? If someone offends you, you take that brother or that sister and you immediately go to that brother or sister and say, look it, you know, something's happened here. I want to tell you your fault. Now, the person that's on the other end that maybe didn't even know that a wrong had happened, if they're spiritual, they'll say, I appreciate that. I thank you. I've done it. I've done it. Someone said, well, if, you know, we thought this or this happened. And I says, well, I didn't even know that. But I'll tell you what. And I, you, you could ask my wife, you can ask anybody that knows me. If anybody in this congregation, for any reason, if it was brought to my attention that I offended anybody in any way, in any shape, in any form, in any fashion, I'd get on my knees right there in front of this altar, in front of this whole congregation, and I'd say, brother, sister, forgive me. Like that. It wouldn't take me faster than five seconds to get on my knees and say, please forgive me. And then I'd say this. Thank you, brother, for pointing out my fault. I'm going to change for you. You know, when you're ministering the Word of God, God has to use our personality. Someone might say, I don't like the way he preaches. I don't like the way maybe he gets a little loud over here. Or I don't like the way he does this or the way he does that. You know, and, and hey, I'm an individual. You're an individual. And uh, we're all individuals. And God has to put up with all of our you know, mannerisms and that sort of thing. And we've got to learn how to control them ourselves. I would say, brother, you know, I'm glad that you told me. Don't walk and leave the church without... If you want to leave the church, you know, that's your prerogative. But I mean, come and tell me first. Don't let me go on with that fault and without telling me. Brother, the way you did this was offensive to me. Man, I would say, look, I'm so happy you pointed that out to me. I'm glad you told me that because you know why? Now I can work to please the Father in a, in a greater way by changing my life. I'll work on that. I'll, I'll change. Because you know what? I am not to take away from the gospel. I'm up here to promote the gospel. And if anything that I do up here, any of my mannerisms offend you, tell me. And I'd be quick to change. I'd say, well, I'm, I'm going to work on stopping that in a hurry. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to change me as fast as you can. Metamorphosize me. Do something. Transfigure me so that I don't, get, so I don't offend one person. Because the more I can reach and not be offensive to, the more I can you know, bring to the Lord. And I'd do that. Oh, when you start walking in God's forgiveness and love, I mean, it is just like, you know, just strolling with Him through heaven. Just like that. You, man, just as quick as I can. I would do that. I've done it. I've called people on the phone that I didn't, didn't even know anything. You know, I heard someone said to me, said, you know, well, it's not some, so-and-so is upset with you. I said, why? You know, tell me why. Well, you know, when you're on a busy schedule, sometimes it's hard to see everybody. You know, one time we went through a period in this church that we've had, I don't know how many ladies gave birth to children. I mean, to tell you, and I just couldn't get to everyone. I'd love to be, I, you know what I'd like to, I mean this with all my heart. I wish I could be in, in every, you know, hospital while the, the, the delivery is going on and praying tongues in a room somewhere. And then after the birth comes, go in and say, look, praise God, I rejoice with you. I, I'm, I'm one person. You know, and sometimes someone might say, well, you know, he wasn't here at the hospital. He was near that. But, you know, if I don't know this, I can't apologize. But if, if it was brought to my attention, I'd call you on the phone. I'd get on my knees and ask your forgiveness just like that. Show me the fault that you think I have, and I'll correct it. But see, some, you know, be humble. Don't be proud and haughty in your own eyes. I know that this flesh of mine is made out of dust of the earth. And I know that it's the only the inward man, the Christ that's in me, is, is, is the one that's, that has to shine out through me. And I realize that when a person tells me so that I can get that beam out of my eye, 
anything that they see that is wrong with me. I would, I would take your opinion and I would take what you thought was wrong and I would pray about it and I would say, Father, please change me. You can do it by your Holy Ghost. I know you can. And I know that I can correct that mannerism of mine or whatever the case might be. And I'm not going to walk like that because it doesn't please you. If it doesn't please my brother and my sister, then I'm going to ask your forgiveness in my life. Okay? Now, well, let me give you a couple more scriptures then we'll close. We ran out of tape, but... Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.